when you are talking to your board, it is different than talking to your team. What other solutions are people buying alongside your software? You want to hang the sign on your door on day one that says you're open to partner with people. Welcome to Make Them Famous, the podcast about partner enablement. The only podcast to uncover both how partner teams enable their partners and how other department leaders enable their partner teams to achieve success. Wow. Just wrapped with Bryn and Nikita. And what an excellent episode. We should have done this as our very first episode for this show because it really lays out the groundwork and the strategy. And it's a thought exercise more than anything of when and how and what and why of agency slash service provider partnerships, nomenclature, budget and board discussions, which a lot of you listening have those frequently, which is, should I hire? What should I budget for? Who should I talk to first, second, third? What should I tell the board? Very tough decisions. So in this episode, what you learn, I'll just go through the points here. Why agency partnerships? Why now? We talk about what agencies are thinking about related to partnerships today. We look at some of the best practices and some of the examples that each of us have recently been involved in. We talk about litmus tests for if and when you should launch your service provider agency partner program. We talk about board discussions. Bryn just closed a series B. He had to sell this to a board of investors and he talks about his experience and what he says and when. Nomenclature, channel, partner programs, partnerships, VARs, MSPs. It's all confusing. If you try to have the wrong discussion with the wrong board member or the wrong advisor or the wrong team member or the wrong agency, uh, it could get lost in translation. So we talk about nomenclature. We talk about why conversations about partnerships with the board are completely different than conversations with your internal team member. We talk about staging. We talk about bifurcating the role of partner manager to marketing and success, if that's ever a good idea. If so, how to do it. We talk about a thought exercise and roll out a strategy to consider. We talk about timeline, budgeting, and all of that. So please enjoy this episode. And as always, join the collective, collective collective.partnerprograms.io for discussion on this and other topics. But before we get started, please hear about three tools that will help you scale your partner program. For sponsorship, we aimed for not only great products, but tech used to power some of the top partner programs around. We've invited PartnerStack, ShareWork, and Sendoso to be those sponsors. PartnerStack, for those of you unfamiliar, is the leading partner management platform or PRM for SaaS companies like Monday, Unbounce, Intercom, and Webflow. And it is a company we've worked closely with. We advise many of our post-program market fit clients to demo partner stack when they are ready to scale revenue through partnerships. And we've talked a lot about co-selling in this podcast. So please check out our sponsor for co-selling, sharework.co, a free app that allows partnership managers at top companies like Qualtrics, Full Story, Smart Recruiters, and Sendoso to easily generate partner-sourced and partner-influenced deals thanks to real-time and unlimited account mapping. ShareWork is offering all Make Them Famous listeners a three-month free account to map unlimited accounts, to generate leads, 
and attribute revenue to partnership managers' efforts. Use the link below to sign up for that offer. Finally, the top sales and partnership teams around know of our third partner, Sendoso, the leading sending platform. Sendoso is the most effective way for revenue generating teams to stand out with new ways to engage at strategic points throughout their customer journey. By connecting digital and physical strategies, companies can engage, acquire, and retain customers easier than ever before. Founded in 2016, Sendoso is trusted by over 500 companies and has a vast global footprint with presence in North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. Learn more at Sedoso.com. So thanks again to our amazing sponsors. Now let's get back into the episode. This discussion is going to be valuable to all the teams out there that are in the early stages of program development, in my opinion, but we are going to speak towards those that are rolling out their agency-focused programs. So many SaaS and platforms out there have had tech alliances, have had brand partnerships and strategic partnerships for a long time, and they're looking into the agency channel, and maybe they haven't cracked it yet. This episode will give you a firm understanding of how you should speak internally about partnerships, specifically about agency partnerships and MSPs or service providers. We're going to talk about the nomenclature, getting board buy-in, litmus testing to make sure that you're ready to roll this out, and... um, and what to look at, what other verticals and what other sectors to look at for the strategy and for some of the things that are, quote unquote, progressive or best practice. So first and foremost, let's do introductions. Bryn, start with you and then Nikita, you go next. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Alex. Um, yeah, so I'm Bryn. I'm the CEO, co-founder of PartnerStack. You know, we've been building PartnerStack for the last couple of years. Uh, our mission is to really change the way the world sells software. And, um, you know, we're, we're well on our way. Um, we've been really fortunate to work with so many great customers, um, several hundred SaaS clients right now um, who leverage our platform to build their partnership ecosystem and, and power what's there. Um, and what we're really excited to, to come out and announce, too, is uh, we just closed our Series B. Uh, we're going to use that uh, Series B to double down on the technology and do everything we can to build a world-class platform to enable people to build scale and, and grow through partnerships. Awesome, Bryn. And Nikita? Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Uh, I'm So I'm Nikita. Uh, I'm the Director of Channel Partnerships and Alliance at PartnerStack. So, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of organizations to help them, you know, put the strategy behind their own uh, agency channel, kind of an alliance partnerships. But uh, now, you know, doing what we do best, uh, building a partner program for PartnerStack itself. Because, you know, if, if we're out there telling people that they need to build partner programs, we got to show them why. For sure. Yeah, we're all in the business of why. So I think Nikita, you and I are definitely doing this on a day-to-day basis, but hammering the why of partnerships. Uh, Bryn, you've got to sell the board. You've got to sell investors. You had to do this over the last however many years, really, but definitely in the last number of months to get your Series B done, but getting the board on, on, on par. So what I want to start with is the discussion of why service provider partnerships, why these agency partnerships, why now, why is this important and what is coming in the next year that has allowed you to raise this series B? What are some macro influences that we should know about? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Partnerships gives folks, you know, global distribution and, and, and it's incredibly efficient, right? So you're talking about global scale at a fraction of the cost. 
And, you know, what we've seen throughout COVID is everyone realized that folks are no longer jumping on planes to go in and do deals. And what I see happening inside of partnerships is that companies understand they need to meet their customers where they are looking to now buy. And that could be, you know, whether it's software, whether it's in e-commerce, um, people are going to trusted sources for purchasing decisions and they're making very educated purchases. And, um, you know, that coupled with the fact that partnerships gives companies global scale, you know, there's there's some serious changes happening in the industry. Yeah. And a lot of that is marketplace driven. And we spoke about this in the prep, uh, Bren. So we'll definitely want to touch on the marketplace side of that. But Nikita, uh, you and I are talking to agencies a lot. You know, I'm hearing more agencies looking to hire partner managers to be in the driver's seat of partnerships. But give me your experience as of late with just the pulse of partnerships with these agencies. What are they thinking about? How are they going about it? What is the general status or the average? Yeah, it's, it's actually a very interesting question there. Um, so they're thinking about a lot. <laughs> it's that there's there's no shortage of things that they're thinking about for sure. But uh, they're trying to understand, you know, which partners are really good fits for them, right? And a lot of them are also trying to understand, well, how do they how do they make service lines or businesses, or how do they expand their core business offerings uh, as a result of what these partners do? Uh, so a really good example is, you know, HubSpot partners, right? HubSpot did a phenomenal job, honestly, of uh, allowing a lot of these agency partners to build strong businesses um, around their core software offering. Uh, and now these businesses are realizing that, you know, HubSpot only does so much. There are other uh, software vendors in the space that they can partner with and uh, either create service offerings around or uh, create, um, uh, you know, some kind of business structure around too. And so a lot of agencies I talk to now have a, you know, either a head of partnerships or a head of growth or some kind of business development individual that's really focused on what do those partnerships actually mean for that agency and how do they how can they continue to expand and grow and you know by all means that's not every single agency not every agency wants to continue to expand uh, you know forever uh, but they're realizing that a lot of these technology and solutions one benefit them but also benefit their end clients um, across the board it's a situation where the proof is done I think all SaaS are um, at least the arguments I don't think are happening. And Bryn, this is the next phase of this discussion is uh, internally, the SaaS companies that I speak to um, are not saying to me anymore that partnerships isn't going to work. There are SaaS that do choose not to have a partner program. I was speaking to some agencies about Gong in particular, but for the most part, from my experience, all SaaS are of the opinion that partnerships with agencies and service providers is a viable business model in general. Uh, but board members, stakeholders, investors, they are very hesitant and they are very weary, of course, of the time of partnerships, the time cost, the return on time, the ROI, of course, and whether or not the timing of partnerships is right for their investment, for their um, for their uh, portfolio company. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the time as well as the litmus test for if you should launch a partner program and then speak to some of those companies that you guys lose in the sales cycle, the gongs of the world that just say, you know what, partnerships is not our bag. We're not going to have one. And uh, 
why? What is their reason? I honestly don't know. But speak to that. How do you kind of frame this and what do you pull from when you talk to your board uh, about why of partnerships and, and what it would take and when? Yeah, so I think that board hesitation often comes down to the fact that they've had a bad experience with partnerships, right? Um, generally, folks have a negative association with partnerships when it hasn't provided a return. Um, and what we've seen is that you know partnerships have moved from under under sales to under the marketing function to now much more of a standalone part of the organization. And what is very important when folks are communicating to the executive team and to the board, fighting for that valuable budget that ends up being there is that there's some shared terminology that each department really understands and that there's reasonable time periods um, for the investment to actually be paid back and accelerate on growth there. The challenge for SaaS companies specifically is, you know, we've really developed this motion where we are addicted to direct sales and addicted to AdWords. Um, and these are very easy things to quote unquote, turn on. They're very challenging to do, but you should see a return uh, in them in a relatively short period of time. Now, direct sales teams are more complicated um, than uh, people often make them out to be, but it's a muscle that people have gone and trained where they really just understand. Um, so what we're seeing is the boards who are adverse to partnerships are often people that maybe used to do partnerships. The boards that are, you know, really diving into partnerships um, understand that, you know, a lot of that new bookings, a lot of that new revenue um, is only possible through a third party. And whether that third party uh, be through, you know, an agency or a marketplace um, or even through another software vendor or other company where you're, you know, mapping accounts back and forth, um, you know, the boards that have positive experiences are the, are the ones that are going in, in, in succeeding. So the big trick is to frame it up for the folks who are scared about here's what it means and here's uh, the payback period um, that we're going to start to see a positive return. Uh, on that note there, just to jump in there, Alex, I think what Bryn said before was really important, right? That you have to go where your customers are buying, right? And so the vendors that choose not to go with partnerships are automatically like, they're just, they're just saying, hey, there's a subset of vendors that, that we don't want to service, you know, because we're not going to go, we're not going to work with, you know, the agencies that they trust um, to ultimately make purchasing decisions. Um, and I guess that's okay for us, right? Um, but, you know, whenever a company gets to a certain size or scale, um, I find that, you know, that as 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 the the easy growth as i say and no growth is ever easy uh, kind of slowly starts to dry up they have to become more open to partnerships uh because they now have to f find new levers of growth that uh, they might may have not tapped before so um, i think Bryn made a really good point before where you have to be where your customers are buying um and so for the ones that choose not to i mean that's that's okay i mean it's their prerogative everyone can choose which which go to market channels they start with but um i think ultimately you know most companies if not all of them get forced into partnerships um uh, because they have to go where uh you know their 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 vendors are alex just to quickly touch on that too we see that you know it can be very easy to build a go-to-market machine and hit 20 million dollars 30 million dollars even 40 million dollars in revenue by not having a partnership program but everybody has realized that SaaS specifically is much bigger than we originally thought, right? 
Um, and you want to actually be growing that, you know, 50 to 75%, maybe even 100% year over year when you move through that $100 million mark. And so the folks that are saying no are often heads down and focused on things that work. Uh, but once they hit that 50, $60 million mark, if they're not looking for new channels to go in and turn on, um, you know, growth slows. And we see the people who say no come back to it when they see growth slowing. Growth is the lifeblood of any company, especially an early stage company. And, uh, you know, boards feel that pressure and look to try new things. That's why I love having you guys on. You can you can take over. Um, I'll just sit back and listen. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, this discussion can go so many different ways. But we have a couple things on the docket to uh, talk about. And nomenclature is one of those. So partner enablement, overarching theme of this podcast. But of course, if the company is not fully aligned on what you're doing and why you're doing it, there's going to be um, there's going to be a lot of walls that will prevent you from really working closely with your partners, which is what causes the partner program to be successful or one of the main factors. You want to get really close to these partners. So uh, let's talk about nomenclature. Let's talk about uh, selling into the channel. Let's talk about the board side. So Nikita, since uh, Bryn just spoke, let's talk about the nomenclature on the agency side in the trenches the slang, the terms, what means what, what have you heard? What has changed since you've been in this role at Partner Stack? What did you think you know versus what you know now? What are some of the things that you like to talk about when um, someone talks about the word channel and the term partnerships and everything in between? It's a, it's a really interesting subject because I, you know, there's almost no consistency with the nomenclature. Uh, like I can, I, I think what I've gotten really good at is really bucketing things. When someone tells me that they're in partnerships or in channel, I really need to have a conversation with them to be like, to really understand exactly who they're working with. Because like you mentioned, like if you think about the channel space, there's many different types of partners, right? Someone can refer to someone as an agency or a VAR or an MSP or a distributor or a marketplace. And sometimes uh, a, a partner could be one or multiple of those at the same time, right? And, and if you're not from the space, that's incredibly confusing, right? Like I have conversations with individuals on my team and you know, even a partner stack, I think on a, on a weekly basis where it's like, what, what is this partner again? Like, what does this partner do? How do they work with us? Um, so I think where like the terminology is, there's, it's like one, it's expansive. Um, two, it's confusing. There's no, like, there's no buckets that people can easily kind of put these individuals into. Uh, but what I've started to see change is that, um, you know, you're not necessarily getting new buckets or like new nomenclature come up. People are just trying to consolidate some of the nomenclature that's there. So they're trying to, you know, really, you know, bridge the gap between like a reseller or an agency or a reseller and a distributor, right? And, and, and kind of put that all together. Uh, but some of the nomenclature and just you know, how interspersed it is and how different it is uh, makes it difficult for a lot of people to like truly comprehend the channel. And then this, this is probably something Bryn will talk about. Like if, if the board doesn't understand, you know, some of the partners that you're working with, it, it makes it much more difficult to, to actually get a lot of that budget and, and, you know, ultimately continue to invest in the, in, in the channel that you're building uh, if they just don't understand what you're doing. Yeah, and I think this is what we could do for the listeners as we kind of go through these questions. Um, we want to get to a point in this episode where we almost formalize how you're going to present the partnerships discussion to the investors, uh, staging, budgets, nomenclature, all of this stuff. So if you're listening to this episode, 
whether you have a board or you just have a team and you want to make sure you have alignment, this is a perfect time to get out your pen and start to formalize what it will be for you guys and what terms you're going to use and how you're going to present it and what is going to be in that presentation. But Bryn, back to you for the nomenclature side. So speaking to agencies, partnerships uh, is the term that is still general, but we, we say SaaS partnerships, we say tech partnerships. Um, speaking to tech, uh, we typically use service partnerships, service uh, entity or consulting partnerships, service provider partnerships. When I'm speaking to a SaaS that has digital marketing or digital agencies as their target persona, agencies typically works. But if you go um, out of the uh, North American continent, service provider tends to work better. Channel is really where a lot of the confusion resides. But you speak to board members, maybe they're a little bit older than some of the agencies, uh, the agency founders that we typically see partnering. But where do you see the misalignment? Where do you see some of the confusion? What do you say to your board members? When you are talking to your board, it is different than talking to your team. Partnership leaders and partnership executives, people that are driving this industry forward, have been forced to be super tactical. So we've developed all this you know, nomenclature that works for us so that we can contextualize and maybe most importantly, get stuff done with very little. When you work up to the board, you have to do the opposite of that. It actually doesn't matter whether you're an agency or a managed service provider or you know, a tech partner, any number of things. If you are a partner, you are a partner. And there are three types of partners. There is that account mapping partner, there is the marketplace partner, and then there is just you know a third party partner. And a third party partner is really a catch all for you know channel and agency and, and everything like that. And those are the three buckets of partnerships. Like that's really what we go in and see. Um, and there are you know level two and three you know pieces of nomenclature that go and describe it much more tactically. But the challenge for partnerships, folks, is we actually don't need to be any more tactical. We need to be more strategic, especially when fighting for budget. And if you can explain how you will grow in those three buckets, again, being third party partners, marketplace and account mapping, your board will understand it. If you get caught in the nuance of the sales motion or of the relationship, that's where things will get very, very complicated very quickly. Now, of course, you have to have answers for that, right? Um, you have to be tactical. You have to go in and do your job. But when fighting for budget, you have to simplify it so that everybody in the organization can really understand it. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, speaking to your board is totally different than speaking to your team. And I just had this conversation. I'll use this anecdote to kind of frame the strategy for the next part of this discussion. But I was speaking to a team that is a very successful SaaS team. They do not have a partner manager or a head of channel or anyone really owning and solely responsible for partnerships. The CMO is convinced that they need a partner program. They have been working with key service provider agencies, some of the top out there, but they're deciding whether to hire for a partner manager to budget for it or the strategy of that I just posted the, to the collective is really, well, can you bifurcate partnerships and have sales and your CMO run it, right? Or your head of marketing run it, where you have referral only partnerships that are in co-selling motions with your sales team and you have your influential top brand sort of agencies, those that have influence over other agencies as well as your customers 
and you're co-marketing with them. So you're essentially onboarding them as a co-marketing partner, maybe, or you're onboarding them as a co-selling partner and they're getting into discussions with your two sides of your organization on marketing and sales, or do you hire someone to manage it and then they communicate between sales and marketing and what stages do you roll this out? So the staging is the key word that I wanna talk about. We don't have to talk about the strategy in this one. There's other episodes and other content for that, but I do wanna hear Bryn as well as Nikita uh, talk about what you suggest teams do and how you frame that in a presentation for internal stakeholders and or board where you're saying, we are gonna be careful with budgeting. We are going to make sure that there's some level of program market fit, milestones, KPIs, all of that to make sure we're not just dumping a couple million dollars into forming a channel program and, uh, and then hopefully that works out. Do you see staging happening? How, does the, how do those stages work? Um, let's start with uh, Nikita, since Bryn just spoke. Talk to me about your perspective, and then Bryn, let's talk to um, the boards and the stakeholders of the world about staging. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I, I, I think Bryn will agree with me on this one, but you know, starting a channel, is, it's almost like developing product market fit. Uh, it's, it's just like going after uh, any uh, net new go-to-market channel. Uh, same, same as what we did at PartnerStack. It, um, it, for us, was, you know, you start slow, right? And so what I mean by that is you go in, you try to figure out who your best partner types are. Like you understand your product, right? You understand your average sales price. You understand what products people purchase alongside you, like your product today. And then ultimately you make a decision on the types of partners you go after. Now, can you bifurcate that with sales and somebody on, you know, the marketing side uh, manages the partners and somebody, you know, on the sales side helps close the deals totally, right? If you don't have the budget for it. Uh, but I would still like for a lot of the organizations and vendors that are kind of listening and thinking about it, um, you know, making a partnerships higher, you know, puts a dedicated resource behind it uh, and allows you to really test a lot of things at the same time, right? So, you know, if, if you bifurcate something between like a, a marketing and a sales org, they're still going to be core focused on what they're looking to do today. So if you have a direct sales org, they're not going to really understand how partners, you know, dive into it. They might not, you know, develop the partner relationships the way that they need to be developed, things like that. Uh, but the way, best way to go about it is, you know, create a plan um, as, you know, the CMO or the CRO when you're thinking about partnerships that basically puts direct revenue numbers associated to it, right? So um, it might not be almost immediately, but maybe, you know, six months or a year down the line, you say, okay, cool, we want to run a partnerships channel. These are the partners we think that we should target because they are really good fits for our organization or, you know, there are a lot of uh, complementary solutions that they sell alongside us. We need a partner manager to come in to work with these partners to really enable them and to put the infrastructure behind them, right? And a single individual for a lot of organizations uh, is not and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't I don't think it's an egregious hire, uh, considering that you know the a lot of direct sales teams spend a ridiculous amount of money on on uh, just software and infrastructure for themselves. But uh, you can budget in that hire and effectively have uh, really clear targets associated to that hire uh, and ensure that you know they are focused on those targets. And then there's the general payback period for that individual. And then once they've proven out uh, that that channel can work, you scale it from there. So that's what I kind of meant by, it's almost like finding product market fit. You need to have that 
almost that individualized person that's trying to figure out where that fit lies because that fit is somewhere there. Once that person finds that fit, can start developing within those specific agencies or those specific partners that you want to target. At that point, that's when you really scale it. And that's when you start, you know, getting into the questions of like, okay, how much should we scale this by? How much of our strategy is going to be direct versus indirect, right? Uh, and then ultimately, what is that structure going to look like? It, are there going to be things like channel conflict? So, um, um, that's kind of how I've always thought about it and how I've always prioritized it. But, um, you know, I, I'm incredibly lucky in the fact that I think that the organizations that understand partnerships understand that there's a lead time to some of this. Sometimes you need to spend a little bit of money, wait a little bit, and then, you know, it, uh, it, it, it pays back in, in, in droves. Uh, and I'm really lucky that, you know, Bryn and the board and, you know, we luckily understand partnerships. Uh, but there's a lot of companies where if you don't have that senior leadership alignment, uh, it's just it's going to be incredibly tough to prove it out unless you have it. So, yeah, I have a just a very quick um, difference of a, a opinion a little bit on that. I actually don't believe you can bifurcate partnerships. If you're going to do anything, invest it. If you're going to deprioritize it, just don't do it, right? Dedicate the resources somewhere else. Um, and I think that the first step is often find someone that comes and has that BDR type background and has sales experience, but understands like how pipelines work and how funnels work and moving folks through that. Um, and, you know, partnerships should start as, you know, marketing sourced revenue is a line that people go in and focus on. Partnerships should sit under marketing and contribute towards marketing sourced revenue. Um, and at some point in time, graduate um, from beyond uh, that marketing source revenue. Because to Nikita's point, you know, you, 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 it is incredibly expensive to build a sales team. 50% of the sales team won't work out. It takes, you know, probably on average five to six months for mid-market sales reps to actually be productive. There could be nothing more expensive than that. And so when you create your partnership budget, you could you should be framing it as the same way as it would cost to hire a sales, hire and build a sales team or run multiple AdWord campaigns, some of which will yield no return. Great points. Yeah. I think I think that is right. I think there's there's a, there's a mentality and there is a conversation to be had for different teams at different structure, uh, different stages with different stakeholders. If you've got a board and you're incorporated and there's lots of stakeholders involved from the financial perspective, you're going to have to jump through hoops on the litmus test side, on the why side, on the what are we doing in what stages. Either way, you're going to want to be structured and you're going to want to have a both a sort of should we do this thought exercise as well as what different ways we can do this in the early days. You can be a little bit more nimble and flexible versus or leading to the final stage of how do we structure this for long-term scale and what's in place and who's doing what and how it's going to be systematized. But in those early days, I think these thought exercises are really good for teams to, to do. Uh, between CEO, head of marketing, head of sales, looking at the user base and looking at where agencies are involved in their user base. We're talking to the SaaS companies of the world. So this company that I was talking to that we kind of created this next step in their program together, super interesting because what they hadn't done is looked into their CRM, looked into their user accounts and looked at third-party admins of their user accounts that don't have the same domain as the account owner, which means those are potentially consultants 
or third-party agencies that are co-administrating that technology account. If there are a lot of those going on, that is a perfect opportunity to go to the team and say it's happening. All we have to do as a strategy is find out who those are, find lookalikes of those agencies, those consultants, as well as enable those that are also touching the account to help us upgrade their account, help us to create case studies, help us to advertise that they are doing great things with that account, with that software, with that use case. So I think there's some thought exercise that doesn't happen enough with teams early on in the program to really understand why it's already happening with their product and how agencies are interacting with the product and with the use case and communicating and assisting and consulting. They don't do that enough in my experience. The good ones do, but, uh, but some don't. So I think that's one of the first steps is to really look into the data and see who's involved in the program, how are they interacting with it, or sorry, the, the software itself, how they're interacting with it, and have those conversations with people. Then you form a persona, who's interacting in what way. Then you look at TAM, total addressable market of that persona, how many of those types of individuals are out there. Then you start strategically figuring out how you're going to let them continue to interact with your onboarding processes, with your sales processes, and with enabling your customers, how you're going to enable them. And then you just layer in the pieces, what needs to happen in order to get there, in order to enable them to do all that that you want them to do. That's incentive structure, that's sales enablement assets, that's training and certifications, all that stuff underneath. Uh, But let's round that part of the discussion out. comment on anything I just said, and then let's go into the agency persona and what needs to be in place to make sure that you can sell this to the team and some suggestions that you have there. So either of you, anything, comments on what I just said before we go into the final part of this? One one quick comment on my side. I'm really glad you brought up that uh, example, Alex, of, hey, go through your CRM, see where, or, you know, there is a a mismatch between someone that's clearly managing the account, uh, but it doesn't have the same domain name and email. And I think this goes back to Bryn's point of like, you know, either you you shouldn't bifurcate this because, you know, direct sales teams have a very different incentive structure. There are a lot of organizations that I talk to where, you know, direct sales teams effectively sell to partners, right? They sell to agencies that are managing those accounts, but they only think about that one account. Right. Uh, But the reality is, is if you go back and you look into your CRM and there's a ton of these because, you know, consultants sell into uh, they make purchasing decisions or agencies make purchasing decisions for a number of companies. Uh, And you see that there's a good, really good subset of agencies that are managing these accounts go to them, see who else is their customer, and you're already on better footing than a lot of other companies because, hey, they have a successful customer using your your platform today. How many other clients do they have that might be really good fits for you, right? And then ultimately, how do you work with that agency to ensure that, you know, there's priority and there's a good partnership between the two of you? One, you know, that you can potentially get in front of their clients, but two, that you're giving their clients, you know, the best possible service to, uh, 
ensure that they continue to grow as a business as well. Um, but it's a very tactical and a very, uh, I think it's a very easy way to actually even just look through your current clients today and and make a call on like, hey, are there partners that are already working with us that we're not working with? Great points. Always great points. Yeah. And you are, like I mentioned, on, on the ground floor of this, you are talking to agencies like I am getting involved in their strategy as well. So things are changing on that front too, which is pretty cool. Uh, that helps drive this decision with SaaS companies, agencies are pulling, or I would say pushing the SaaS company is probably a better word to use to have a program, which is awesome for all of us involved in this ecosystem. Uh, but there still needs to be alignment internally and there still needs to be a process and staging. Um, so Bryn, uh, definitely comment on anything that we just said there before going into this. But the question that we have to answer and to help round this out is what to know about these service provider personas that needs to go in your preparation, your budgeting, your staging, budgeting. I think you guys deal with a lot. Obviously, you are selling a PRM into this ecosystem, so you get the budget questions back to you all the time. So I think this is a good time to talk about the staging of um, and, and the costs as well as how you kind of frame that and when you present it to your team and all of the things that have to happen in, in, in between. Yeah, when you're rolling these types of things out, I mean, you want to dedicate one person to this. You need to allow them to get up to scale inside of your business, which is going to take a minimum of 90 days. If you can do it before then, you've got an absolute rock star. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to go in and work with a number of those folks. And then you want to give them three months, have them set the KPIs for what they're going to go in and do. In three months, you're probably not going to be generating revenue. Um, you're probably going to have at that, that six month mark of them on the job, you're going to have those partners personas built out. And those personas aren't things that you need to have discussions about at the executive team or even at the board level. Just talk to them about the partners that you're, that you're driving. Um, the personas that you have are things that you need to be talking about internally at your partnership team. It's the only way if you understand your partners, you will be able to drive revenue. If you do not understand your partners, you're you know going to be in a bad spot very, very quickly. So building that persona is incredibly important. And your persona is going to be different based on, you know, the ACV or product type that you have. Um, you know, the, the person that's selling uh, mid-market enterprise uh, or mid-market marketing software is often different than the person who's selling uh, enterprise security software. And so just figure out who is it? Is it an agency? Is it one of the, you know, numerous definitions that are there? But maybe more importantly, where are they located? How big is their team? What's the average ACV they can drive for you? How long does it take for them to close a sales? It's very much so thinking of it as you would, you know, building out a persona behind a sales rep. Awesome. I, a lot of good points in there. And I think um, putting the uh, wheels to the ground, so to speak, if you're listening and you're in this boat where maybe you have agencies that you're talking to very closely is almost like you guys are friends at this point where they've been using the tool for so long. They've been advocates. You go to them for product um, road mapping stuff. You go to them for co-marketing and webinars. You lean on them to support your top tier users, but you want to find more. You want to develop this into a program. Uh, this is the scenario that I was just mentioning and, and had that anecdote discussion a few minutes ago, but let's put it to uh, a little bit of a preparation of, of a plan. So you're in that boat where you do have the budget, meaning you do have the cash flow, you do have the resources to put a partner team together. You do have those first few 
case study, so to speak. It's not a formal case study, but you do have agencies that are in this partnership type of relationship with you. They are talking to maybe someone on marketing and then they have loose affiliations with people on sales and maybe a product person, but you want to put this into practice, right? So if I'm coming to partner stack and I'm in this boat, um, what are some of the things that you guys tell these SaaS to make sure they have in place? And if you were hypothetically more of a consultant than selling them a software, how would you sort of approach the conversation of, well, when and how and what do I need to make sure my team knows about and is in place? And what sort of budget expectations should I have for year one? Who should own it? What should I have? How should I have this conversation? So put your budget hats on being partner stack. You've got to fit into that budget, but then also put maybe your consulting hat on to say, Hey, if I was giving them advice, here's what I would say. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would, you know, kick it over to Nikita because he can describe exactly like we're fortunate. We did this at partner stack and we figured out what works. Partnerships is our number one channel for growth. Um, and so he's going to have some really great tactical advice on how to do it. But don't just start with the budget. Build a bottoms up budget, right? Like you need at least one person. That one person's going to, you know, spend X in in, in um, technology to go and support the partnership channel. And you should be really looking to get some version of an ROI, um, or at least proof points within the first twelve months, and positive ROI, um, you know, ideally before that. But I'll kick it over to Nikita because he did some really interesting things as he built out our own partner program. To which I will say we did way too late. We are a platform that supports partnerships, but we underinvested in our own partnership program. It's my number one regret that we've had as a business. Yeah, totally. Thanks for that, Brian. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of a few things that I'd, I'd say there. Um, one, um, yeah, I mean, we we've definitely done some really interesting things with our partner channel. So, uh, what I'd say for a lot of organizations that are looking to kind of start is um, really clearly define your partners, clearly define who you're going after, right? And it's some of those tactical things that we talked about a little bit before, Alex, but, you know, make a call on, you know, one, understand what other solutions are people buying along alongside your software. Uh, once you have a good sense of who those partner profiles are, you can effectively then say, okay, here's the plan. Here's the partners that we're going to go after. Uh, we also need some kind of technology in place to support those partners. And, you know, the, the argument for partner software shouldn't be as hard as it is. I mean, most direct sales teams realize that they need a CRM. Right. Like, I think we're all past the point of realizing that, hey, if we want to scale an organization and we want to score a scale, scale uh, direct sales function, uh, we need to buy something like Salesforce or HubSpot. But for some reason, you know, PRM is, is not entered that phase yet. But basically, you know, create a really strong plan um, effectively around who your target partners are going to be, um, how many people are actually going to be involved in targeting them. So is it going to be a dedicated partner manager? Uh, what is that actually going to look like? What KPIs you're going to look at in the first 12 months? And then any budgeting for technology like PartnerStack, um, fit that into the KPIs that are there, right? And so you're going to need infrastructure, right? And so uh, whether that infrastructure comes at the beginning uh, or three months in, or once you hit a certain KPI target, make it very clear that like, hey, this is a channel that we're going to look to scale. If we hit these KPI targets, we're going to need to unlock these specific things. So we're going to need to unlock a PRM, right? That helps us, uh, you know, manage partners uh, and manage and really scale our partner channel as well. And so um, 
don't when you, when you go out and create some of that budgeting and the forecasting ensure that like you plan for scale in some kind of capacity know that like if you hit these targets you're going to need to continue to um, hit them and continue to scale with those targets and just generally continue to um, you know leverage partnerships as a growth channel and you can't do that without the right infrastructure right and what i see a lot of individuals do is when they when they approach partnerships they get the first part of it right so they understand who their who their partners are they start reaching out to them and they have a couple of them right but that's where they stop they say okay cool we have five partners we have 10 partners it's great we're going to keep working with them and they spend too long in that in that in that bucket right so they're like okay we have 10 partners it's really working well but realistically, you're like you've proven out a growth channel, right? You want to continue to scale it, and so now you really need to put the infrastructure in place to scale it. Uh, and so now you have to think about, okay, cool. If there were two partner managers and we were working with twenty partners, what would that look like? Um, and I find a lot of organizations that get to that point, like they they don't know how to take it from, you know, they might know how to take it from zero to one and get the budgeting and get everything there uh, as it comes up, but also, but it, it might be really hard for them to go from, you know, one to two or a one to five and really scale out the channel as it comes out there too. I agree. I agree. No arguments there. Bryn, anything on what Nikita just said? Any follow-up to that at all? Yeah, just get to know your partners. Get on the call with them. You know, it's pretty simple at first. You can share a Slack channel if that's what you want to go on and do. Um, you know, the most successful companies are the ones who invest most in their people. The most successful partner programs are the same thing. Yeah. And the advice going back to your point, Bryn, about having someone own it, it's super important to make sure that that person's uh, involved in the strategy and the creation and the execution and the testing of this program, because obviously you want someone to help you scale it. And if you bring someone on too late, Uh, There may be some confusion. They would have done it differently depending on who this type of person is. Uh, But uh, very important to also make sure you have a plan of action. You have some level of proof of concept in place. Uh, Any litmus tests, Nikita, Bryn, for if and when you should launch your program? Yeah, I mean, I think that you want to be able to know that someone can sell your product. Like, I, I actually think that you want to hang the sign on your door on day one that says you're open to partner with people. There's no harm in doing it. There's no commitment required there. That's an inbound partnership strategy. Put it up on your landing page. That's something you can do for free. Uh, you don't need technology and infrastructure for that. And you can start capturing who these people are signing up. You can go through your list. But what you're starting to go in and look for, um, you know, the, the different folks that could actually go in and do it, once you start approaching that million dollars in ARR, or once you have your first successful uh, non-founder sales rep, you should be implementing a partnership program almost immediately after that. Uh, because if you know that someone else can sell your platform, then it's about how do you enable a third party to go and sell your platform? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Bryn there. I think it's really easy for a lot of organizations to literally on day one, just toss up a form on their website that says, hey, we are open to partner opportunities. If you want to partner with us, reach out to us, right? You'd be surprised how many organizations uh, don't do that. But when they do, what the general inbound traffic from some of these partners is, um, that they didn't know that we're coming to their website and just wanted to partner with them in some kind of capacity. And it, once again, it's not to be a selling partnership, but it could be you know, a solutions partnership or whatever kind of uh, plays out with. But um, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the moment you realize that there's a, an opportunity, like once you figure out how to directly sell your product or how to sell your product generally, uh, I think you need to start thinking about, you know, 
one, obviously, how do you scale that channel? But two, how do you get a third party to start selling it or implementing it or, you know, whatever that kind of partner channel is that you end up setting up? Oh, very good advice. And we have two and a half minutes here. So let's just do the uh, one minute breakdown. I'll do this real quick and then we'll go back to you guys for final thoughts and um, any CTAs that you want to mention, announcements, stuff that's going on that's relevant for the listeners so uh, to break it down, uh, like Nikita said, I think it is a very good step for SaaS that know that they have agencies in their funnel, that they have agencies interested to throw up a splash page, a partner page with a form talking about your ideas for how the partnership's going to work, mentioning that you're sort of open for business for partnerships. R- run that through your newsletter. I do recommend uh, not letting it just sit out there, but do it as a litmus test to say, hey, who's coming through that form? What do they want? Have conversations with a few of those agencies that come through and kind of qualify your program in a way. Find out what they want. Find out what they're expecting. Are they purely after commissions? Do they want more support? What do they want? Find out. Get the team together. Start to plan out sort of a loose agenda for the incentive structure and the program design. Uh, Then go after some more agencies with that program in mind. Maybe go back to the ones that applied. Uh, look internally for who can potentially own it. You can pull in someone from sales, someone from marketing. There's best practices either way. Uh, we don't have to talk about that, but figure out who's going to own it. Start to enable that person to really steer the vision of the program, have a lot of conversations and use that to back the program design. You're still under a low budget at this point. And maybe at that point, and Bryn, you probably have some good advice here, go to the team and the board and the CEO and figure out a long-term budget plus strategy for how this is going to roll out. Uh, give me your version of that, Bryn, real quick, and let's do sign-offs. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you can show that you have 10 active partners who are sending you business that you are, your sales team are either closing... Um, or they are in fact closing themselves. And what you're looking at there is you're looking at a range of about $250,000 in ARR, upwards of $500,000 in ARR. Even if they're just leads that came in, you need to be really investing heavily in your partnership program. Um, And it should be really in year one, um, one for one. So if you want to go in and generate $3 million in budget or $3 million in net new revenue, you know, you might need to be going and spending, you know, somewhere in the range of a million five to 3 million to go and make that work. Uh, but that's, of course, after you've got those proof points in place. Well done, guys. Nikita, do a quick sign off. Then we'll go back to Bryn for his sign off. Mention anything that's relevant and then we'll wrap. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, th- thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, really excited to see kind of where the space takes us uh, and uh, excited to be just really a part of helping a lot of organizations you know, set up scale uh, and tactically figure out when partnerships make sense for them and and ultimately um, help put a lot of the infrastructure behind it. So uh, Alex, thanks for having me on the podcast and uh, excited to do more of these. 100%. Uh, thank you for being here, Nikita. And Bryn, uh, talk about anything that's relevant for the SaaS listeners. Yeah. I mean, we've got some exciting things that are going to be coming up, some exciting partnerships we just announced um, with some large distributors, which is a little bit different. Um, so feel free to reach out to me directly, Bryn at partnerstack.com or through LinkedIn, and I'll make sure that we um, can have that early conversation. I am always interested to hear about new and innovative things that are happening inside of partnerships. And I know that it's the community that builds it. So look forward to connecting with everything. And Alex, of course, thank you uh, for doing this. It's so important 
uh, that, you know, we have people like you building this community and what's awesome to join alongside you. Oh, well, appreciate that. And you guys are the leader in the space. I'm not just saying that because you guys help with this podcast, but uh, G2 crowd uh, confirmed it recently. I saw your post too. Uh, you guys are number one. So huge congrats to all the success you've had on the PRM space. There's a lot more coming. I know, Bryn, you've got some huge announcements over the next six months. You guys will be doing a lot of cool things. So follow PartnerStack on LinkedIn and reach out to Bryn, reach out to Nikita, get involved in whatever they have to offer because it's all great. Thank you both for joining and we'll see you on mine.